There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. I'm going to let you in on a little secret he told me. Bring a bucket of macaroni and cat food for chump. Them little love it. Did you know that I was in a punk band in high school that covered the theme song to Fishing with Orlando Wilson? Hashtag bed snagging, hashtag private pond, hashtag stalker, hashtag anyone can hire a guide, hashtag live bait, hashtag pet bass, hashtag skinny. Fugu poisonings are almost exclusively the result of DIY mishaps, much like backyard moonshine blindness here in the States. Good morning, Degenerate Anglers. Welcome to Bent, where we invite fishermen from all walks of life, all skill levels, and all factions to unite for an audio version of what Burning Man might be like if it was held at the Bass Pro Shops. I'm Joe Cermelli. And I'm Miles Nolte. And it is now officially the full-on dog days of summer. Yeah, man. And, uh, I mean, I guess it depends kind of on where you live, because it could mean a couple different things. If you're If you're up here in the bitter north country, like me... We're enjoying our annual five minutes of shirt sleeve fishing weather. <laughs> or, or, you know, in my case, that means just covering up with really light stuff because I have a, a skin cancer problem. But if your latitude <laughs> skews southward, you might, be, uh, you might be hanging out on a couch somewhere mainlining AC and respooling your reels until the water temps drop below the boiling point. I remember learning that lesson the first time I ever fished in the West many years ago. Like I was boiling midday. We got into town late and then I woke up the next morning and went outside in the same stuff I was wearing at noon. And I was like, oh, nope, that doesn't work. <laughs> Suddenly it's 25 degrees. Anyway, I think out here where I am, it's it's like somewhere in between. It's, it's, it's too damn hot for trout fishing, at least during the day, though. This is mousing season. Mm. Nighttime is the right time. And I, yep. I do hope to get to do some of that soon. But for me... Offshore is the place to be. Cool offshore breezes, mahi and yellowfins, yes. and bloody decks, man. Yes. I just have to bring along a gym bag full of sweat towels. Wait, what? <laughs> that's the, the that gym bag that you're always carrying. That's that's uh, that's full of sweat towels. I was assumed. I mean, I assumed it was full of bootleg tapes of like live guar shows and fish themed beanie babies. But uh, you know, 
You learn <laughs> That's something. a different gym bag. That's a different gym bag. <laughs> That's the other gym bag. You yeah. learn something every day. Since we're on the subject of learning things, uh, we have a fishing report. And this one comes to us from a part of the country that I would personally like to learn a whole lot more about. I have only fished South Louisiana once, and I had an absolute blast. Really? You've only I been did. down to South Louisiana one time. One huh? time, man. One time. Oh, man. It's like one of my favorite places on the planet. I've been down there a bunch. And what's funny is when most people think of anglers from Louisiana, they think Cajun. Like like the Landry's on that alligator show that's been on. <laughs> we got a tree 30, shaker. Yeah, for 30 years, but the storyline hasn't changed once. <laughs> like, not to get off, but like, do people still buy the Chudum shirts? I don't know. Like, hasn't that run its course? I hope so. Uh, <laughs> anyway, my crew down there, they're the boys in the Delta, right? They're not the Cajun dudes. And it's weird. They're like Southern dudes with a Northeast swagger. It's like Louisiana meets like Staten Island people, right? but <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. They're all good people though. And I'm really happy that my bud down the road, Darren <laughs> could make time uh, in his busy crabbing and hog shooting schedule to provide us with a solid report for this region. Hey y'all, this is down the road, Darren. At least that's what my partners call me. I'd use my real name for the reports, but I uh, got a couple warrants out in New Orleans for a little incident on Bourbon Street when a Mike Tyson KO'd a Cowboys fan after the Saints whipped their asses. I guess the daiquiris at the Superdome wasn't quite strong enough that night, so I peeled into a six-pack of Four Locos and shit got real weird after that. So, as far as you know, this is down the road down. Anyway, this week's South Louisiana Fishing Report is brought to you by my ex-old lady Chantel. I'm back in her good graces again. She finally let me go over to her place and pick up some rods and reels I left over there a while back. So I brought her a bushel of crabs and, uh, you know, we back to getting along. So shout out to her for that. Unfortunately, she already pawned my generator, but like the good Lord says, I'll forgive and forget. Speckled trout was on fire last week if you could get away from the dirty-ass river water. Shit, I had to run all the way to Gosher Island to find clean water. But we was catching trout every cast as fast as you could throw for a while main thing is to have good live shrimp under a popping cork or a carolina rig if you're gonna take the ride to gosher make sure you bring plenty beer because you could skin 18 deer in the time it takes to get all the way to out there my little cousin timmy said they wearing the snapper out on the rigs outside of southwest pass red snapper season opened a couple weeks ago and it's a limit every time they go the mangroves are biting good, too, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret he told me. Bring a bucket of macaroni and cat food for chum. Them little love it. It pulls them off the rig faster than a backseat bang on prom night. Now, the red fishing hadn't quite picked up yet. The damn grass in the pond is so thick this year. Thanks to global warming or whatever it is, we never had a cold winter. So the grass never died back and the reds hadn't got in there thick yet. Best bet for Reds is probably to stick to the lakes with a dead shrimp under a cork. Holla at my boy Rodney when you get down around Shell Beach. He's got fresh shrimp he's selling right off the boat. Look for the boat called the Cougar Hunter when you get down to the dock. It's freaking Africa hot right now, so get out real early or late in the afternoon. You're still going to be sweating your ass off, but it's worth getting a few fish in the box. And if you don't get no fish in the box, holla at my boy Joey Campo. He shot 15 wild pigs last night, and he don't feel like cleaning them all. Just bring you an ice chest. 
And that's pretty much it for this week's report. As always, I'd like to thank my unofficial sponsors, Miller High Life, Ugly Stick Rods, and the Tackle Section at Walmart. <laughs> now look, holla at me if you want to go fish. They took my captain's license away for a little incident involving a fifth of vodka and too many Red Bulls, but I'm running trips under the table and I can put you on them. I can't actually give my number out here, but, you know, just hang out at the McDonald's and Miro until you see my truck. It's the white GMC with the dark tent all around. All right, later. Wait, the the cat food and the macaroni as snapper chum, that was bullshit, right? Oh, oh, absolutely not, man. Really? That's that's real, okay? I've I've been down that road. That works. Oh, no. I, I love the Louisiana meat fishing crews because they're loaded with all sorts of tricks like that to get it done. Like, they ain't coming back empty handed. <laughs> like it's just it's just not an option. Even if that means switching from the ugly stick to like an AR fifteen, man. I've seen some uh, shit down there. Yeah, that, I mean that that does fit. All right, like I said, I've only been there once, but the the dude I fished down there was so dialed, so diehard, and yeah. so deadly. Yep. And and it kind of seemed like that whole catch and release fishing culture hadn't really caught on. I mean, you know, I, I was coming from Montana where most people treat trout like Fabergé eggs. And <laughs> and my man Shane just started ripping reds and tossing them in the cooler. Like, uh, yeah. That's how you do. <laughs> that's definitely how they do it down there. And I've been out with guides that end up catching more than the clients, especially if the clients are rookies, because it's this, it's this, this is the truth, man. You don't want to be the guide at the lodge that evening that didn't limit. Yeah. That's no bullshit. Yeah. It's unacceptable, like among guide pools down there. But, you know, honestly, I'm all about catching and releasing fish to protect fisheries and being smart about harvest and all yep. that good stuff. But I will also house some redfish on the half shell. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And on, the, <laughs> and on that note, let's move on to fin clips, the part of the show where we tell you everything you never thought you wanted to know about a fish you may or may not have heard of. And this week, we're talking about a fish that you might want to think twice about eating. This week, we're talking about fugu, a fish so delicious it might kill you or maybe just get you real high. Fugu is the Japanese term for puffer fish, and it has long been a delicacy charged with a hint of danger and a lot of hype. Puffer fish contain a potent neurotoxin called tetrodotoxin that's lethal to humans. Ingestion causes loss of muscular control, so the victim slowly stops being able to breathe but remains completely conscious. Worse, tetrodotoxin poisoning has no antidote or treatment. So why would anyone eat this fish? See, the toxin isn't found in the meat. It's concentrated in the liver, ovaries, eyes, and skin. The flesh, when prepared correctly by a trained chef, is perfectly safe and supposedly really delicious. A firm white meat that's usually eaten raw but sometimes blanched or fried. Fugu has long been a delicacy in Japan, Korea, and China. But the fish gained global notoriety in 1977 when a famous Japanese kabuki actor died from eating it. Legend has it that if you consume just a tiny amount of the toxin, your mouth and tongue go numb and you catch a unique buzz. And like other drugs, the more you consume, the higher your tolerance. Back then, it was fashionable in certain circles to have the chef mix a small amount of fugu liver with the soy sauce that you dip your meat in. Chefs got to know their regular customers' levels of tolerance and adjusted their dosage accordingly. Apparently, this actor, like so many others, OD'd on his favorite drug. His just happened to be a poisonous pufferfish instead of heroin. Today, 
The Japanese government strictly regulates fugu sale and consumption. Chefs train for years to become licensed fugu cutters, and playing Russian roulette with liver in the soy sauce is no longer kosher. These days, fugu poisonings are almost exclusively the result of DIY mishaps, much like backyard moonshine blindness here in the States. Fun side note, turns out that humans might not be the only creatures dosing tetrodotoxin for fun. A BBC film crew making a TV series about dolphins in 2013 witnessed a pod passing a puffer. According to an article in the UK's Daily Mail, quote, They nudge the fish with their snouts, and as the toxin is released into the water, they seem to lapse into a trance-like state. The dolphins were filmed gently playing with the puffer, passing it between each other for 20 to 30 minutes at a time, unlike the fish they had caught as prey, which were swiftly torn apart, end quote. I myself have caught numerous puffer fish, usually when I was getting my ass kicked by bonefish and need a little confidence booster. Like bonefish, puffers come up onto shallow sandy flats to feed on shrimp and crabs. Unlike bones, they're incredibly easy to see, pretty difficult to spook, and eat just about anything you put in front of them. They also fight like, well, they, they actually fight exactly what you would expect a balloon full of water with tiny little fins to fight like. Pretty underwhelming. So far, I haven't been adventurous or desperate enough to try and eat one. As an American, I prefer to have my food kill me slowly. Uh, question for you. Yeah. I'm a betting man. You're going to say yes. You ever seen the serpent in the rainbow? Oh, yes, I have. It's been <laughs> it's been a sol- uh, at least 20 years, but yeah, I remember that. Was that Wes yeah. Craven? Yes. Great movie about voodoo in the islands and fugu powder. It's like it's like the starring role. Oh, plays that's the biggest right. Role. Like that's how they turn people into zombies. That's fugu right. powder. I forgot all about that. Kids, Serpent in the Rainbow. Rent that at Blockbuster. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, up here, right? We we actually target pufferfish all the time. It's actually a big deal, like this this niche little northeast thing. But of course, our puffers, which are northern puffers, they don't contain the toxin. They don't have the poison. Yeah. yeah. And dude, they are delicious. And when you clean them, you leave the tail on, and the finished product looks like a, like a chicken drumstick. Really? You know what I'm saying? Because they're small. Yeah, and the meat just runs along the back. So the way you, when you clean them, it just looks like a chicken drumstick. And huh. you target them with super tiny hooks and little pieces of shrimp, and they tend to come in in the summer, and it's, it's, it's a big deal. Like, you'll see reports, like, you know, bays loaded with puffers, you know. And they, they, so they are so good. I highly recommend them. So eating northern puffer fish, great idea. Eating fugu, kind of bad idea. Yeah. Pissing off, <laughs> pissing off your fishing guide or charter captain, also a bad idea, which leads up to this week's smooth moves. Nice segue, Joe. Why did you do that? Why? Why did you do that, Terry? Oh, my God. This is the part of the show where we call up one of our uh, guide or charter captain or outfitter buddies and, uh, and have them tell us a story about one of the most ridiculous things they've had clients do on the boat. Every good guide or outfitter has amazing stories about clients doing stupid things on the water. And we love to bring those to you. This is smooth moves. And today we're talking with our good friend, Alvin Dido. Alvin, how's it going, man? Man, it is just going great today. Oh, I don't think I've ever heard you say anything else in all the times we've hung out. It's you, you don't have bad days. Do you dude? If I'm alive, it's a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Except for maybe the occasional hangover day. Yeah. You know, you get out there, you get on the water, usually usually clears you up pretty good. Yeah. 
I could be having a bad day and hear Alvin say, I'm having a great day. And I'm like, no, you know, I am now too. Just (laughs) the way you said that, just it's positive vibes, man. That's right, man. You put it out there. You make it happen. (laughs) As a, as a long time guide, uh, I know sometimes you have clients that do their best to make your great day not so great. And we brought you here to tell us one of those stories. Later, all right. man, what do you got? What's your smooth move? All right. all right. So this this was a pretty awesome smooth move. It was in the boat adjacent to my boat, one of my guide buddies. So I got to witness this. And this was this was so smooth, I couldn't believe it. I wish I had it on film. So my buddy's got his client in the back of the boat throwing a spinning rod. We're fishing for bass. He's using a uh, a fluke, you know, plastic artificial, and it's super weedless. But in order to hook the fish, you have to really set the hook, you know, so that that hook pokes through the plastic and, and actually hooks a fish. Yep. And this guy in the back of the boat, um, he would see the, the 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 bait disappear, bright pink bait. So you know the the you know the, the guide's like, all right, dude, when you see that bait disappear, set the hook. Bait would disappear, and he'd just start reeling with the rod just pointed right at the fish. <laughs> you know, the fish never got hooked, spits it out over and over again. So finally, I see my buddy's getting a little frustrated with the guy. So he goes, hey, dude, look, here's the deal. When you see that pink thing disappear, you got to rear back, set the hook, and get that fish hooked and get him in the boat, you know? So... Dude's like, all right, all right, I think I got it. I think I got it. So about five minutes later, massive bass smashes his bait. He rears back, sets the hook so hard that he falls over out of the boat. (laughs) I look over, I hear a splash, and the dude's feet are sticking straight up in the air. (laughs) Luckily, luckily, it was in fairly shallow water. So he stands up. And of course, he hooked the fish that time. Yeah, reels the fish in, gets back in the boat, sits down. My buddy turns around, looks at him, and goes, "All right, dude. Next time, I want you to set the hook almost that hard." <laughs> <laughs> but he landed the fish. Yeah, he landed the fish, man. He, he set the hook. He he finally set the hook. You know. Now, once you get that hook set, I mean, you know, it's it's all over. <laughs> That um that is that is a true smooth move. I'm, yes, I'm sir. kind of impressed there. Like falling out of the boat, managed to get the fish in. That's that's quality yeah, stuff. Yeah, he stood up soaking wet, you know, pieces of weeds and stuff dripping off his face and everything, but he landed the fish. <laughs> was he a good sport about it or was he embarrassed and it wrecked his day? Oh no, dude, he was he was a good sport. He's like, "All right, uh, I think I I think I I think I get what you're telling me." <laughs> take it off of 11 dial it back to eight ish yeah. yeah exactly exactly he, he had a great rest of the day we're, it was you know we're in texas it was it was warm it was nice a little dunk just set him straight have you uh have you ever fallen out of the boat joe you know it's it's strange man you'd think that'd be a rite of passage for hardcore anglers but i never have I've I've yeah. done the I've I've gotten stuck with a lot of hooks. That's also a rite of passage. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah obviously, yeah. And and I've come close to to falling out of the boat many times, though it's never actually happened. But I have been knocked off a few jetties during my younger, stupider <laughs> surf casting days. Man, what about have you, what about you? Have you ever gone full man overboard? I I I was thinking about that while he was telling that story, and I can't remember 
I can't personally remember ever falling out of the boat, but yeah. I, I remember I, I will, my buddy will never let me live this down. Cause when I was first learning to row a drift boat, I, I did smash a rock so hard that I launched this friend of mine completely like clear <laughs> over the gunnel and right into the Madison. And I, it was, so his wife was hooked into the biggest brown trout of her life at the time. And I was so focused on trying to get that fish landed that I just completely missed this boulder. And I, I teed that thing like <laughs> full on T-boned it on the chine. And he was already leaning over with the net and just ejected. And, uh, you know, I kind of saved it because it was like, well, now you're out of the boat. You got the net. You might as well get the fish. And, and, and it all worked out. But no, he hasn't let me, he hasn't let me forget about it. Well, first of all, remind me uh, never to let you row my boat. But quick up better. <laughs> I know, I know you have. But with safety lesson, they're all the same because I've run into similar issues. Like no matter where you are, when you hook a fish, just just put the damn anchor down. Yeah. Because yeah. I've done the same thing. You're so wrapped up in the fight that it's 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 like all that matters. And yeah, I've um, I've rammed some stuff in uh, all of my boats. All right, enough about falling out of boats. Let's stay in this metaphorical craft that we're mm. calling a podcast. Because it's time for Fish News. Fish News! That escalated quickly. All right, for this segment, Joe and I have compiled what we think are the most interesting fish-related news stories that we could find this week. The catch is that neither of us know what the other is about to say. So this is really just a little a little friendly competition between the two of us to see who can who can bring the most interesting and and entertaining topics and we're just hoping that we don't steal each other's thunder really. But uh how you feeling this week Joe? You think you, you think you got the goods? I I think I do. I'll also add that um on a weekly basis it's not always easy to find like super awesome fishing news. No. Like, there's a lot there's a lot of so some of these it's fun because it's like how can I stretch this? to be entertaining because there are there are a lot of slow news weeks in fishing as we're learning but i'm i'm feeling confident i led this off last time i'm gonna you're gonna you're gonna kick us kick i us am off this i time. am and and to be clear it's fish news not fishing news because i think you know some of mine might be a stretch to call them fishing news I'm, i'll just be honest about that right now and most of us are interested in fish all right so joe i'm gonna start this with a little uh a little word association game all right okay all right what comes to your mind when I say carp? Trash. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I think they are, but it's just, just that's just simple, just just trash. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. But I, I got I noticed that that there are three things you you didn't say. You didn't say nanotechnology, mechanical engineering, or futuristic super armor. Did the last you? one, the last one would have been the next thing I said, but I I, I went. Truly, with the first thing that popped into my head, so well, that's uh, that's probably because you didn't find the study that I did out of the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory that explains how this group of researchers used advanced X-ray imaging techniques. This is like super science fiction stuff. <laughs> to they used advanced X-ray imaging techniques to figure out the secrets of carp scales. It turns out that carp scales and, and a lot of other fish scales are incredibly tough and yet very flexible, much like me. Their puncture <laughs> resistance to pliability ratio is better than any armor that humans have been able to invent so far. Right? So this is, this is all in the realm of biomimicry. Well, I, the, I, 
I got to say that's wrong, man, because I've seen <laughs> arrows bounce off a lot of shit, but they go right Hold through on. a carp, dude. <laughs> Hold on. Just let me get there. You're, you're jumping right, the gun right, on right, me. All right. All right. All right. All right. This is all coming out of out of the, the, the area of study called biomimicry, which is the emulation of model systems and elements found in nature to solve complex human problems, right? The thinking here being that the process of evolution has had a pretty long period of, of, of trial and error to figure out what works and what doesn't as far as, as life on our planet is concerned. So, you know, maybe we should look to natural systems for design principles. In this particular case, these researchers are looking at how common carp scales can help us design better armor, right? And the idea of using fish scales as a blueprint for armor is actually really old. Scale armor was popular uh, with the ancient Romans, Persians, and Byzantines, and it's been around for more than 3,000 years. But this new research is, is like, it's taking it to the next level. And yeah, some other people like Joe out there are probably going like, oh man, it can't be that good. I've seen carp get killed with bows and arrows all the time. And yeah, yes, yes, you're right. Common carp scales can't like force a compound bow arrow to bounce off as they, they occur in nature. But we're we're not talking about covering your body in carp scales, Joe, and sending you out in the field of fire. That's not no, what no, this no. is. I, I, the, I idea, the idea is to borrow the design of carp scales to make armor from different materials that could withstand the force of an arrow shot from a compound bow or maybe even like, you know, around from a high-powered rifle without the weight and rigidity of current armor. Well, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish. No, is that, I was going to say, like, as of right now, that super, <laughs> the super-duper carp armor doesn't exist. Don't go out looking for it. You can't buy carp, like super carp armor yet. But the researchers have finished mapping the fiber structure of the scales and they're now working on how to reproduce them with tougher, tougher materials. So we might actually have like carp armor in our future fighting forces. Well, okay. And that's cool. Like, I think that's neat. But what it's got me thinking about is if you're going to do a study like that, wouldn't you agree? Like several other fish come to mind right away <laughs> that if I was going to study their scale structure and how it relates to making armor, it wouldn't have been carp. Like, dude, alligator gar. Yeah. Black drum, you could play. I mean, like, dude, I've cleaned big black drum in South no, Jersey. They're tough, man. This this study actually did say, like, I didn't have time to get into all the details. They started with arapaima. Okay. Because those things are, like, crazy armored. But I guess they were just too complicated. Like, they couldn't figure it out. So they had to step it down to something a little simpler that we or, could or they Or they out. didn't have the budget to go where arapaima <laughs> live and do this study. They're like, you, you guys got 30 bucks. Figure it out. Okay? There's a ditch out back. I've seen right. carp there. <laughs> we'll study them instead. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today 
or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land. Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. No, dude, it's fascinating. I just, it just strikes me as odd that carp of all yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, I think that that is striking the balance. From what I could understand from what I read, it's striking the balance of not so complicated that they can't study it, but also has a lot of the 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 characteristics that they they wanted. Right? They it went into all kinds of crazy detail that I didn't bother, but it's it's really interesting how the the different layers of the scales fuse together going from like really rigid to really pliable and that allows those fish to be able to move but still you know like have predators teeth bounce off of them again not arrows predators right teeth. right well okay so with that said i know somebody who who probably wishes they had some uh, carp scales wrapped around their leg not too long ago and this story has been all over but we can't i can't not bring it back up again you gotta it bring ha- it up it, it, it has to because it's just so unique and i've got so much to say okay and that was a really good segue by the way like nicely done taking you like that, that? And, and yeah that was well done i was straight off the cuff dude man <laughs> nailed it thank you uh this is coming from the new york post not even the lakes are safe This summer, now there's been some shark attacks, right? Pretty bad one up in Maine, but Kim Driver was standing chest deep on the beach at North Star Village along the Winnipeg River near Manaki, Ontario, when she was attacked by a muscalung fish, commonly known as a muskie, which have heads, muscalung, attacked by a muscalung, which have heads resembling alligators and can grow up to six feet long and weigh more than 50 pounds. Now, the quote here, all of a sudden, she just said, someone, not something, someone's got my leg. And I don't know why, but that just brings to my mind like the uh, the dingo took the baby quote. Someone's got my leg, <laughs> dingo took the baby. And then she started screaming and her arms went up and she went underwater. And uh, we all kind of stood there in complete disbelief and didn't know what was going on. Kim's husband, Terry, told Vice. Now, I, you've probably seen the pictures. A lot of us, I mean- the, the damage yeah. is no joke, right? Yeah. It says yeah. Kim suffered extensive damage to her right leg and was taken to the hospital. And then Terry, T- 
Tear, as I like to call him, goes on to say, it completely engulfed her calf from pretty much knee to ankle. Uh, nobody's ever seen a musky T-bone someone's calf. Now, the way I'm reading and interpreting this is that this musky actually pulled Kim under a la the little Kintner boy in Jaws, which I find a little hard to believe. I don't yeah. know. Maybe, right? Like, she, she, she was not like a super petite lady, and I could understand if this was a little kid. Anyway, my favorite part of the story is this. Meanwhile, Terry is out for revenge. The couple plan on visiting the lake this weekend, and while Kim said she will stay out of the water, Terry said, I might throw a couple of musky lures in that particular area and see if I can get a little bit of payback. You won't, Terry. That's my prediction, because muskies just suck, and I'm convinced <laughs> they'll be quicker to eat the curly tail grub you're throwing for crappies on six-pound tests or your wife's leg faster than a proper musky lure or fly. I mean, you know, if he was going to be really serious about this, he might have to say like, hey, honey, I'm sorry, but I'm going to need a chunk of your leg. We need some bait. We know what it's after. Blood's in the water. He's already had a taste of you. He'll come back for more. This is totally some shit that would happen to me, and it would happen on day five of another muskyless, musky fly fishing bender. Oh, like zero man. action, but my, my, my foot would get severed. Or like I'd toss the Shih Tzu in for a cool dip and down would go scribbles, no shaking, no tenderizing. <laughs> like the irony of the whole thing, you know what I mean? And Oh, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, dude. Like uh, I've said this before, so I don't mind saying it again. To me, I think muskies are overrated, and I'll put that on record. Like I personally would much rather spend serious coin to fly up to Saskatchewan you know, and spend three or four days reefing on 40 plus inch pike, then spend three or four days trying to get one muskie to chew. But that that's just me. Yeah. But that's what they do. They bite your leg. They kill the dog. I remember that story. <laughs> that was a good but story. You, you could throw them bucktails all day long and they don't give a shit. Yeah, they don't, I don't know. Well, they've seen a zillion bucktails. They haven't had very many dog snacks. Like I can understand them wanting some diversity in <laughs> their right. diet. They're like, screw those things. I, I've eaten those before and nothing good happens out of that. I cannot agree with you though, because but it's partially because of my history. Like I got bit by the musky bug when I was probably seven years old and yeah. I have not been able to shake it. And I just got done filming a oh, musky episode that you, all of you out there will get to see. And I know what a pain in the ass they are. And that's still, I, I can't quit them. Yeah, I just I dude, can't quit you. No, 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 dude, and 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 I get it, right? I like to joke around and mouth off about my my disdain for muskies, but again, that's also just geographical. Like, if if I grew up in the Midwest in Minnesota or Wisconsin, I would be that guy, and, and we have plenty of them here on the East Coast. But there's just so many other things. Like people always bust. They're like, you still haven't gotten your muskie on the fly, have you? And I'm like, no, I haven't. But I could have <laughs> if every time I had free time to go fish. I was like, I'm doing nothing but that till it gets done. But I see, I can't bring myself to do that. Like no. I like a, a little musky here, a little musky there. But I also recognize that's not the way, like the the way to get things done if you really have a musky goal. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'd agree with that. I'd say that a, that a healthy balance is good in anyone's life, no matter what you're doing, and that includes fishing. <laughs> and you should fish for musky when it's fun, and then when you get annoyed, go grab some worms and fill a cooler with panfish and giggle like a four-year-old kid. That's what I mm -hmm. think you should do. You got to get that balance in there. That's just my opinion. I hope we will continue to cover musky and pike attack stories because they are endlessly interesting to me. And this one's different than anyone I've ever seen. Like you hear a lot about, oh, it, it was attacking the, someone was, was uh, you know, had their fingers in the water and saw some jewelry right. and it bit the finger and cut the finger. This is a different level of well, musky aggression. You, you think about it, even if the report is three quarters true, 
That had to be one big ass muskie. That wasn't the 32 incher that will be no. my first fly muskie after all no, that time and effort. No, 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 no. Definitely not. That Definitely was a real not one. a small one. One thing I will say is that that now is the time to go musky fishing. Uh, musky populations in North America are in better shape than they've been in in generations. They're doing really well. We are living in the golden age of musky fishing, but we're we're not living in the golden age of of reefs. Reefs are not doing that great right now. And and I'm going to throw another question out as I get into this story for you personally. Do it. Joe. Do it. Do it. Are you uh you kind of strike me as maybe maybe you're you're kind of a probiotics guy? Spend a lot of time thinking about your your gut biome. Oh, I spent a lot of time thinking about my gut, but just more so how awful it is. My gut biome lives on cheese curds and lining kugels. I wish it wants cheese curds. I don't have those here. I just no. do Frito Fritos uh, nacho cheese dip. Those are delicious. All right, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not really into probiotics either, but. This story has got me thinking about pro- probiotics and maybe being more of a fan of them in general. Because you know how like, you know, 90% of, of the planet's coral reefs are dying as mm-hmm. we speak. Yep. And you know how like coral reefs are home to 25% of all the marine life on the planet, including some badass fish that we both like to catch. Indeed. Well, so this research team that uh, includes members from Brazil, the US, the UK, and Australia recently found that feeding corals probiotics improves their health and helps them survive stresses, including heat stress, which is one of the main things killing off all the reefs. So far. No kidding. All right. Yes. Yes. So far, this has only worked in a lab setting, but the researchers are, are hoping they can find a way to scale this up and, and use it to help combat the massive reef die-offs that are happening everywhere. So I read a couple articles on this, and, and I'm, I'm going to admit something. I didn't actually dig up like the the peer reviewed journal study. I just I just read the articles about it. But well, there's a lot of that going around now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just in yeah. general, I was lazy. Peer reviewed stuff, just whatever's on Facebook. That's really hard. You know, it has a lot of big <laughs> words in it, and I don't. I'm I'm scared of them. But uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that that they're not actually going out and like spreading yogurt on the reefs. That's just an analogy so that stupid non-scientists like me can better understand what they're doing. Like no one's going out in the Great Barrier Reef with ocean tankers full of that that uh, that Aussie yogurt, you know, the one with the kangaroo on the label and just no, hosing I- the reef down with the yogurt, just like ah, covering it. But that that is the image that I cannot get out of my head. And, and I, I wish that's actually what it was. So that's my question. Do they talk about how they would on a grander scale administer something like that? The at this point, what I understand is that they're they're bacteria, right? There are these these beneficial bacteria that when they add them into these closed systems, like the tanks that they're growing these reefs in, that the coral that had these these beneficial bacteria added into those tanks were better able to survive stress. So there was no talk about the actual mechanism for deploying this. At this point, I think they're still trying to figure out the details of that I think all they've got so far is like, hey, man, we got this bacteria that makes the coral stronger. What are we going to do about it? Because this might help. And I hope they figure it out. And, and again, I'm sure it's not like a yogurt blaster, but I kind of wish it was. Yeah, like I, that's what I buy for myself is those squeeze yogurts. Yeah. Dannon. There's no probiotics in that, but it's just like one like squeeze and you're good. Coral reef gogurt. Talking about, yeah, Gogurt. Yeah. Gogurt. I forgot about Gogurt. (laughs) They tried to make it interesting for the kids. 
by putting somebody with a skateboard helmet on it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need those Fritos. Here's some Gogurt. It's cool too. Gogurt. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I mean, they, I, that, that's good news. Um, good news. And we certainly need that. I just hope that someday I actually end up in, in one of the places like I've never fished the great barrier or anything. So I hope no. they figure it out and I get there, but that costs a lot of money. Yeah. Um, that's I why just, I carp, like to go back to your other story, that's why I carp fish and yeah. don't do arapaima. You know I, what I mean? Same here. But I like knowing <laughs> that they're there. It makes me feel good. Well, okay. If that makes you feel good. So not only are we going to save the reefs with Gogurt, okay, we're also going to lessen the strain on the fish on those reefs because in, in what could be the most revolutionary thing to ever happen to fishing, uh-huh. Mm. Kevin Kevin Harrington, a former Shark Tank shark and the man behind the As Seen on TV brand, has just put his super angler-trusted stamp of approval on the Baitonator hook. The Baitonator. Is that, and, that just makes me think of Baconator. Like, Wendy's has got to be coming for this guy. Yeah, It's a possibility. He's He's got more money than Davy Crockett, though. He'll take <laughs> Dave Thomas down like it ain't no thing. <laughs> Uh, and this comes from the news center at PR Web. And to quote Harrington, unfortunately, ordinary J hooks result in gut hooking fish, which critically injures them and oftentimes leads to their deaths, he explains. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Baitonator fish hooks. Perfect for catch and release fishing. Baitonator, wait, is the only J hook on the market that greatly reduces gut hooking fish. Now, so we're clear, it's still a fully barbed big ass J hook. But here's okay. the magic, all right? So follow with me. Picture this in your head. Picture a small plastic bell, okay? And your line is attached to the top, to the narrow end of the bell. Well, there's an eyelet up there. Mm-hmm. And inside the bell is a metal rod that goes down the center. It's got a spring around it. And the J-hook connects to the bottom of the metal rod at the wide end of the bell. So what you do is you keep threading corn kernels on the hook <laughs> and up the rod, thereby compressing the spring within the bell. So each time a wily bullhead rips the kernel off the tip of the hook, another kernel just slides right into place, just slides right down the rod in place. So the reason, at least I'd say the baitinator greatly reduces gut hooking is because between the spring mechanism constantly (laughs) feeding corn down the hook and covering the tip, plus the fact that only the very tip of the hook protrudes past the bottom lip of the bell, uh, side effects may include the baitinator never actually having the ability <laughs> to get in a fish's mouth. Never hooking a fish. All you'll do is feed bait to fish. So exactly. So it, it, that's that's why it's it's genius. If you just if you literally just want to feed them, and the quote says, "Spend less time baiting and more time fishing." Har- <laughs> Harrington summarizes, but most importantly, help save and protect our fish for future anglers. Um, but per the. <laughs> Per the video, it only seems to work with corn, and the clip <laughs> focuses on catfish being caught at what to my eye is a pay lake where nobody ever went ever to catch and release anything ever. So according according to the story, the full Baitinator infomercial will air very soon across cable networks and social media platforms, which I, we, we know means just one thing, okay? Two to three weeks from right now, one of our headlines is destined to read, Man Combines Power of Tactabite Fish Call Rattlesinker Mighty Bite One-Shot Bait Bullets and the Baitinator Hook to Catch Every F***ing Fish in Lake Winnipesaukee Twice. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, I, the bullhead catfish, I can see it. 
may be working, but can you imagine trying to sell that to one of the finessed fishing guys, like like a, a highly pressured bass lake or a walleye lake or a permit fishery? Like those fish are not going to eat a bell shaped plastic cone. Yeah, no I mean, matter that's what's basically what you're dealing with. Dude, you're you're talking about like a mini parking cone with like a couple kernels of corn sticking out of the bottom, and they got to come eat. They have to not be wigged out or scared of the whole mechanism. Yeah, I'm I'm calling BS on this whole thing. I don't buy it at all. I mean, may, prove me wrong. Here's what I'll say. Prove us wrong. Send us what we're missing, because clearly either we're missing something or this is like the worst fishing lure idea since well, the banjo minnow. Uh, well, prove dude, us wrong. Well, no, no, see, but um, see, we're going to get off here. But banjo yeah, no, minnow, no, no, we, that we actually was a, we're that was leave a precursor. Banjo alone. I know, because that was a precursor to some serious swim bait technology. We've talked about this before. The the other things, I've talked for years about buying all this crap and doing videos, and then I realized four billion people have already done that. I'm just going to be a follower taking them down. The Baitinator doesn't actually interest me as much as the the Tactabite fish call. Have you seen that, which is a speaker that you throw out? Yes. Mits sounds? Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, just real fishermen don't don't buy this stuff, but I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. Spend less We're, time baiting and more time fishing. It's got a nice <laughs> ring to it. Depends I, on the baiting. It's a great, great tagline. I'll give them yeah. that. It's a great <laughs> tagline. I fully endorse their tagline. Well, dude, these were good. We didn't overlap. And nope. uh, this was, yeah, this was another successful, great segues. We're just killing the segues. Just killing it. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, now I got to bring the, the temperature of the room down because from breaking the internet with fishing gimmickry to breaking the internet with skills for days, I'm unfortunately the one that has to tee up our new segment, <laughs> Trolling with Lance. Don't you laugh. Don't laugh. And I'm sure uh. all of you are already familiar with internet fishing phenomenon, Lance V., and if I'm being honest, this is why I'm pissed. I was totally against this segment. I I really wanted absolutely nothing to do with this because our budget here at Bent is kind of dog shit. And the only way to get a celebrity, quote, celebrity, 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 celebrity it's bullshit, like Lance, is to just fully pay up, right? And this is like we pissed away months on negotiations. We had to deal with his lawyer, who is subsequently his mom, but... <laughs> Miles thought it was worth it because in the modern age, being a successful internet fisherman is probably more important than most of you than being a real fisherman. Yeah, and Lance, it is. Lan- <laughs> and Lance is obviously the Tony Robbins of internet fishing wisdom. From the land, to the boat, to the lake, to the sea, f***ing up the internet with your boy Landry. What's up, wannabes? Welcome back to Trolling with Lance. I'm Lance V, better known as Extreme Hog Roper 69, cause when I'm not winning at internet fishing, I'm either roping hogs or 69in. Probably with your mom. Hashtag Mill Squad. Today, I'm gonna teach you how to comment on YouTube videos. Most of you put no thought or effort into this valuable and important craft. You just vomit whatever bullshit comes to the top of your head through your little keyboards. Harmless, right? Wrong! You're ruining the internet and wasting my time, making me scroll through your useless words. Typing, nice fish bro, or great video, shows everyone who knows anything about internet fishing that you're a poser. YouTube comments were invented for one reason and one reason only. To prove you're better than other anglers by pointing out everything they do wrong and insulting their little bitch egos. Your job is to tear down all who threaten you, which should be everybody with a YouTube fishing channel. If you're a genius like me and the Guggen Squad, hashtag Guggen for life! 
you'll find endless ways to attack and harass other people's vids. But here are my top five starting points for those of you who don't have the natural gift of shitting on other people that I do. Numero one, fish size. Duh, this is obvious. Everyone else's fish are small, no matter what. Even if they look big, you claim wide-angle lenses, fully extended arms, or my favorite, small hands. I always have hold it closer to the camera and a Word document ready to cut and paste into the comments section of any given video. Hashtag tiny hands. Numero dos. Technique. In any fishing video, you can find something that could have been done better. Casting, fish fighting, lipping, flipping, or netting, it doesn't really matter. Think of this like a treasure hunt. Somewhere in that half hour video is a mistake. It might be in the corner of the frame for half a second, but I promise it's there. You just have to find it. When you do, you can prove to all of YouTube that everything that person does or says is bullshit. Because seriously, who needs to look down to find their trolling motor pedal? Only a loser who doesn't know anything about fishing. Hashtag it's under your foot. Numero Trace Gear If everything but the rod and reel isn't a Guggen Squad product, it's useless. Period. Tell everyone. Numero 4 Hot Spotting Look really hard at the background of every vid. If you find any landmark, a rock formation, a building, a dam, a sewage treatment plant, a tree, really anything at all that can be identified by the human eye, call them a spot burner for giving away intel on your super secret spot. If you legit know the spot, totally name it in the comments and add that you've been fishing there for years. If you have no idea, put them on notice by just commenting, I know where you're at. When they follow your comment looking for verification, do not respond. They'll lose sleep over that shit. Hashtag burned as f Hashtag keep them guessing. Numero Favorino. Hashtag it. If you can't find anything at all to talk shit about a video, which is super rare, I pull from a stack of hashtag burns whether they fit the vid or not. Examples include hashtag bed snagging, hashtag private pond, hashtag stalker, hashtag anyone can hire a guide, hashtag live bait, hashtag pet bass, hashtag skinny. Sprinkle them shits around, man, like Benjamin's in a trap video. Remember, no one reads YouTube comments or any internet comments to feel better about themselves or humanity. The whole purpose is to remind us why we all hate each other. Comments offer a safe space where you can attack other people without having to back any of it up with facts. Please, use the comments section as God intended. Hashtag Jesus take the wheel. That's it for this week's edition of Trolling with Lance. As always, Joe and Miles, you're welcome. I'm the only thing giving this lame-ass podcast any internet cred. I'll keep doing this until I'm a part of the Guggen Squad, which is totally happening. I met Andrew Flair at a Wendy's about a year ago, and he was totally into my shit. So, uh, hashtag Guggen Takeover! Well, uh, <laughs> he, I mean, Lance definitely said some words. And, uh, I mean, I guess, I think, I think most of those were, were words. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Joe, I know you've, you've posted a few fishing videos to YouTube. A couple. In your yeah. past. Did Lance <laughs> ever throw any shade your way? You know, I'd have to go back and look through the comments, but, I mean, the dude's so all over the place. He's so ubiquitous. <laughs> He, he is, probably did, though. He's omnipresent. Know, I yeah, I don't know if it's if it's Lance, but I may or may not have been the victim of a few hashtag pet bass and hashtag <laughs> pet trout in my day. You know, 
And now that I understand that that's a strategy of internet fishing pros, I feel less hurt by them. I'm like, oh, that guy wasn't really, he was just doing his thing. You yeah. know, he was actually yeah. smarter than me. It's a strategy. It's a strategy. It really is. So every tackle shop and fly shop you've ever been to has a sale bin, right? Well, yeah, all the good ones, the ones <laughs> I like to go to. Yeah. <laughs> Except most, most of the time, they're just filled with junk that nobody else wants or needs. So welcome to our version of that, the digital sale bin, if you will. Well, why did you put the head in the paper if you don't know what I'm getting at? Well, you, you didn't have to be so hurtful with me, so angry. Miles and I are both devout garage sale shoppers. We love a good flea market. My, my vintage tackle collection is vast, but COVID, sadly, has largely robbed us of the pleasure of digging through someone else's trash barehanded, looking for that special something, <laughs> which means I've spent a ton of time on Facebook Marketplace, LetGo, and Craigslist during this pandemic just to try and get some kind of fix, but it's, it's just not the same, man. You know what I mean? No, I mean, I used to buy the vast majority of my fly tying materials at garage sales because it's so cheap and, and those materials are, are so expensive if you buy them from a store. And not to mention, like, every once in a while in doing that digging, I'd come across stashes of federally banned stuff like <laughs> polar bear fur that you can't get. But, I, Joe, I, I so far anyway, I, I have not been able to get into the online shopping thing. It's not the same. It doesn't bring the same satisfaction. I, I spend enough time staring at screens all week, and I just I don't want to do that on my days off. It's yeah. it's not fun for me. No, I get it. And what I do is I find things that I get excited about, and I'm like, oh man, that's a thing I'd I'd hope to find in person someday. Not in this like, man, I would love to find that at the flea market. But most of the time, I don't buy anything. But as I've been digging through these online selling platforms, you know, while you do find a gem on occasion, right? Most of what you find is total trash, just the most ridiculous fishing related shit out there. And some of it is so bad that I can't help but make fun of it. Okay. And that's essentially what we're doing here. And this is great because whenever we think of it, whenever we think it'll add to the comedic value, Miles and I will reach out posing as interested buyers to engage the seller and coax out more information. It's basically giving us license to jack with people. And we started doing that with a, uh, a lady in Gainesville, Florida, who um, threw up a post on Facebook Marketplace, and the title reads, Antique Pre-1920 H&L Leonard Rod Company Fishing Vest, Excellent Condition. And it's like, oh, that sounds cool. That's a cool vintage item to yeah. have. Super vintage, bro. But I sent this post to Miles with no further explanation to see how long it took him to figure out why this is so ridiculous. <laughs> I should I should give some context that, that Joe, ever since he came up with this idea, has been sending me a number of these ridiculous posts just to sell me on why this would be a great segment. And most of them are completely obvious. Like, I look at it and I go, oh, that's ridiculous. We can definitely make fun of that. But this one, I really had to think about. So picture this. The main photo, the, the primary photo that is put up online to sell this is just a close-up of the tag, mm -hmm. right? The, the tag that's sewn inside of the vest. And it, it says, H... L. Leonard, Rodco, Midland Park, New Jersey, size extra large. And I, I didn't get it. I'm thinking, I, I mean, we, we make fun of fishing vests on this show. We it's do subtle. that it's with subtle. some consistency. And I was thinking Joe was trying to build off of that joke, but I didn't, I didn't see how it was funny. And then I kept reading further down, and there's another little tag below the main tag, and it says, machine washable in mild soap <laughs> at medium temperature. Do not spin dry. Tumble dry at low setting. Garment may be pressed with a warm iron. 
And then I kept reading down and, and reread the the title of the post, which again is antique pre nineteen twenty. At which point, all the stars aligned, and I realized how ridiculous this is because because there is no way in hell that a pre nineteen twenty vest comes with machine washing instructions, nor Tide Pods. And the longer description read: antique, high quality fishing vest made in the early nineteen hundreds. Parentheses no later than nineteen twenty or so. Close parentheses. 100 years old, and it's in absolutely excellent condition. Yeah, you know why? Because obviously whoever bought it followed those instructions. <laughs> Used and they, some... they didn't machine wash because machine washing machines didn't exist. Exactly. So that is why it's museum quality. But I was like, oh, man, this is so perfect. Honey, you're victim number one. Got to be. So I sent a little note, and I said, hi, I collect vintage tackle, and I'm just wondering how you know this is pre-1920. Can you verify that in any way? And she fired right back, and she says, I spent a lot of time trying to find that answer, but it's been <laughs> a while enough. and I can't remember at the moment. Give me a few and let me get back to you with that. And I was like, and end conversation. She's not getting back to me with that. She knows she's just been busted and uh, end of the line for me. And dude, wouldn't you know it? Six hours later, it was like midnight here. My phone pings and it's her. And I have to read her, her follow-up response in the inflection in which I, th- I feel like it would have been delivered and said, sir, you already knew I was wrong about this, didn't you? <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> and then she quickly tacked on a longer explanation to make herself not seem dumb. And it was like, last time I misunderstood, I thought that because he, he, I guess, meaning H.L. Leonard, closed his business around that time that no more products were made afterward in his brand. Which to me is like saying every Ford must be pre-1947 because that's the year Henry Ford passed away. <laughs> yeah. So he didn't close his business. He just died. The business yeah, kept going. It's just it's just a classic like, ah, uh, zinger, zonked you, zonked you. I love a good <laughs> zonking. And now I'm allowed to do it because I need to tell you people about my zonkings. It won't just be, uh, you know, for naught. Anyway, we need your help with the sale bin, okay? So if you find some bizarre, funny, downright idiotic, or for that matter, like super cool, must-see items for sale online locally, please, please, please send the link to bent at com so we can not only highlight them here, but then also mess with people in your hometown via messenger. But as usual, we're going to close out the episode with the end of the line. Fishy, 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 fishy! Well, that's not loud enough, Bert. Did you know that I was in a punk band in high school that covered the theme song to Fishing with Orlando Wilson? Now you do. But not only were many pits opened up at firehouses and legion halls across New Jersey because of Orlando, old Orlando also taught me the power of the Zoom Super Fluke. Now there are many versions of this tapered, soft plastic, darting, gliding bait fish imitator on the market today. And what's interesting is they're all lumped together as flukes, right? Much like any brand of of cotton swab is called a Q-tip. But only Zoom makes the original super fluke. And while I've tried countless similar baits, the OG reigns supreme for me. There's something about the density of the plastic that makes it sink quicker and wobble different than others. And I also swear it darts and cuts at sharper angles than similar, quote, flukes. 
Now, Orlando Wilson was fishing them on a jig head for southern sea trout, which I adopted back in the day for weak fish and stripers. I guess we're talking late, late 90s here. Uh, but since those early days, I've come to believe in the versatility of the fluke. Rigged weightless on a wide gap hook, it'll walk like a spook on the surface and get crushed as it flutters on the drop, right? Pinned through the nose on a small finesse hook, it'll twitch like Lyndon Blair with a splash of holy water, man. From snakeheads to stripas, smallies to pickerel, I can't think of many fish that I can't get to chew a fluke. Honestly, I never really go anywhere without at least one bag of flukes in white. If you're salty, bubblegum, methylate, that's a good color too. But you shouldn't go anywhere without a pack of white flukes. And I know some of you are going to say, well, oh, what about the bass assassin, man? What about the live target ghost tail minnow that costs $11 per pack? Yeah, those are all good. I fish those. Those are good too. They're just not as good as the original Zoom Super Fluke. Did you seriously do a <laughs> punk cover of the theme song to Fishing with Orlando uh -huh. Wilson? Oh, my God, that's <laughs> damn, amazing. You're damn right we did, dude. And here's how it went down. I remember it very clearly. Uh, we did this thing where every band member got to write down a song he wanted to cover, and we threw them in a hat. And that was mine. <laughs> and it Brilliant. got picked. Eyes were rolled, but fair is fair. And um, the band cited creative differences a few months later and split up. <laughs> no, no, no connection, I'm sure. Uh, Listen, I went. To, I don't know how many punk and hardcore shows I went to as a teenager in the '90s. Uh, usually, a decommissioned naval piers for the record. Oh, that's that's cooler than Legion yeah. halls. Oh, yeah. great acoustics, man! Uh, but and I was hid like my secret fishing addiction from my cool punk friends. So <laughs> I, I I think that's badass. And and I would have gone absolutely apeshit had one of those bands I was seeing covered the fishing with Orlando Wilson theme. So well done on your well, part. I I, I, I wish you'd grown up where I did and you were at those shows. Like maybe your voicing the awesomeness of that would have kept the band together. And <laughs> the I wouldn't one guy be, in the I crowd wouldn't, like, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't be here doing this shit right now. I'd be the next Blink-182. So oh, thanks, no. Thanks for nothing. No. I mean, I just want the money. I don't care about the music. You know? <laughs> anyway, those were the days and I think about them often and I, I actually miss them dearly, but hmm. life moves on. And uh, so does this podcast. That wraps up another episode. We hope yeah. you got something out of it, even if only a few minutes of fury screaming at no one about what we got wrong, anything yeah. along those lines. <laughs> and, and if that was you, if you were the one screaming into the void, tell us. You don't have to be in void. Tell us personally. We will listen. Let us know what you liked, what you hated, what we messed up, and, you know, generally how you're doing. Send us an email, bent at com. Right on. Also, give us some stars, leave us a review, and best of all, if you like this show, tell two friends about it. Then they'll tell two friends and so on. I really want to make a coronavirus joke here, but it's <laughs> it's just not that it's not that funny anymore, it's so I'll, I'll I'll let it lie. Yeah. Thank you for listening and uh, you know, go fishing. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. 
It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.